Hey there, welcome to Above Board with Canderpath. I am the Rich B, and I am with the one, the only, the beautiful, the tall, the talented, the muscular, the cute, the smart, Matt Marcoux. Did you just go through you all you- of your descriptive uh, words? Did you, do you have a thesaurus in next to you, the Rich B? There's so many more. We are missing We are missing John Kennedy today. John is off making a difference in the financial world, working hard. Um, but today we've got Matt. And you know, I'm Matt, I've been looking. How are you? First of all, how are you? Thank man? you for asking the Rich Bee. I'm doing really, really good. Had a very nice Thanksgiving with the family. Looking forward to Christmas and the rest of the holidays coming up here soon. But things are good in Marku land. You scared me on, I guess it was Saturday when I was driving to the gym and you were literally on your roof like spider-man putting your christmas lights up and i had such anxiety because whenever when i see someone on the roof it doesn't look that scary it's like oh yeah no big deal but when i personally have gone up on my roof i feel so scared to even walk up there and you looked very comfortable you were a lot like spider-man you know i said this to john when he said the exact same words to me and also to the rest of my neighbors i said anytime i can get like maybe an hour hour and a half you know kind of by myself uh, which, you know, I love my family time and we had plenty of it this, this over this like seven day period. But I was like an hour and a half on the roof in this like quiet place. Um, it, I signed me up for it. Also, we live on a street where there's a stop sign that people like to run. And so, um, I did a, I had a full on yelling match with a few people who decided to run that stop sign. So I was the neighborhood, uh, police officer that day. Did make you- me feel good. Did you actually did you actually yell at people or are you just being No, I'm serious. I definitely changed one life. Uh someone driving through there, window was down. I projected a little bit too much and I know I scared her straight in terms of making sure that next time she runs through that stop sign, she knows someone might's going to yell at her. So, uh I was I was the stop sign police this weekend. On from the roof. I, I was not expecting I that. Appreciate I, well, even right now, you are coming in so loud and clear. Your voice is booming and powerful. So I can only imagine that up on the roof as people are driving by, like, slow hey, down. Hey, you! That's right. a stop sign! You! Slow down. Don't you know how to read? Yeah. All right. We are going to have – I, I want to pick, pick your brain today because you are a true expert in, in your subject matter um, other than roof climbing in financial planning and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, recently I had a friend who said to me, Hey, you know, I'm looking for a financial planner and da da da. And we had this conversation. Of course I referred him to you all, but he said to me, you know, it's so hard because you just don't know what to look for and what to do. And, you know, he said, should I just do it on my own? Cause it's so easy. I can pick this and I can do that by myself. And I don't have to pay anybody. And, you know, you end up paying so much money and that's money that you can make. There's so much confusion and there's so much misinformation. So for our audience, as you know, this is Above Board with Canderpath. And while we talk about a wide array of subjects, both John and Matt are certified financial planners and experts in their field. And so I want to take advantage of that because I think, you know, you know, we people have their mind on their money and their money on their mind sometimes. So I think it's important we chat about that. So is it okay if I, I kind of do that? I want to kind of ask you some questions. I think it's a great idea. It's, it's something that we get approached very often about. So I think this is something that for those that follow us and that listen, um, you know, this, this might give them some tangible pieces to walk away from. So yeah, let's, let's, let's go with that. Well, I'm going to ask you a question. So of course we can go into the basics of what you should look for, when you should hire a financial planner, what's their primary function. But I, I'm going to kind of go like off the map a little bit and ask a question that I don't understand. What, 
what I've, I've heard before, you should not hire a financial planner who is not a fiduciary. And that is a word that, that I guess sometimes people like throw around. Is that true? Is it not true? What does that mean? I don't, what does that mean? A fiduciary? In the most simplest circumstance, a fiduciary is someone who puts your interest ahead of theirs. And that's one of the most fundamental components uh, to when looking for a financial planner is looking for someone who acts as a fiduciary. Now, someone can call themselves a fiduciary and not act that way. And that's really where it takes looking at some of the other aspects of their practice to determine if this is the right fit for you. Um, the questions that we get asked a lot is, okay, so what is it you should look for in a financial planner? Well, you mentioned the first one, a fiduciary, someone who puts their your interests ahead of theirs. The second, and I'm a big believer of this, is looking for a certified financial planner. The one thing about this industry, Rich, is that really anyone can do this job. It, it You could just put a, a little sign outside of your office that says you're a financial planner, and all of a sudden, for the most part, you're a financial planner. So what differentiates someone who doesn't have an extensive background from someone that does? And I would say the, the, most, common, um, the most common issue or the most common thing is being a certified financial planner. Being a certified financial planner is a designation that is um, that you apply for. Um, you have to have a bachelor's degree. Uh, you have to complete the certified financial planner course, and then you have to take an extremely comprehensive exam. Now, this exam is about an, an inch deep and a mile wide, meaning that it covers a ton of financial planning topics to make sure you're proficient. And the last piece of that is that you have to have a minimum amount of time in the industry in order to have that those initials after your name. And I think those are some of the things that if you're just kind of looking for somebody, those are some of the things that you should be looking for on the onset. That That's going to be your first filter, if you will. And then you got to keep going down through that. So there's sorry, Vader. My, there's oh, Vader. Boy. Vader Green. No one in our Vader neighborhood messes with you guys when you're walking Vader around. No. My Doberman. He's amazing. So can I just dumb it down for one second? So back to fiduciary. Is that something like... Hi, my name's Matt, and here's my fiduciary license. Or, hi, my name's John. I just want to let you know that I'm Irish and I'm also a fiduciary. I mean, how do you how do you even broach that? Like, just for people that don't know, do I ask the person that I'm interviewing to be my financial planner? Is it a title? Is it just a function? Is it how they're supposed to operate? How do you just simplify that? Yeah, it, it's it's something. It's how it should be. You know, when I got into this industry, it was a sales industry, right? I got into the early two thousands, and even before that, it was about sales. And if you're selling something, you are putting your interest ahead of that person's because you're trying to hit that sale or sell that product. And when I got started really early on in two thousand and two that that was something that I had a fundamental issue with. This is not a sales business. This is like helping somebody. And we've equated this before on previous podcasts to doctors and or or someone who is 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 set to help you, who has this oath that states, I'm going to do good for you. I'm not going to worry about me necessarily. And uh, so to, to, to dumb it down in the most simplistic form, being a fiduciary, making sure that you're putting the client's interests ahead of yours. That means not selling them something. That means working with them and finding out what their needs are. That means making sure that if there is going to be compensation, that it's disclosed, that it's fair, that it's objective, and it's reasonable. And if you can check all of those boxes, then you can call yourself a fiduciary. If you're so, and, so I was going to say, if you're selling a product, I would say that that's a pretty big issue because while that product 
might fit that person's specific needs. I still, I don't like being sold anything. Being sold something stinks, especially when it comes to your financial future. So for, for the common person, A, you want to have a conversation with the person you're interviewing to be your financial planner to say, do you function as a fiduciary or are you representing a particular product? The second thing is you want them to be, you know, credentialed, certified. They're a certified financial planner. Third, do you need to look for somebody who like, who specializes? So in other words, a young couple versus a business owner versus a recently divorced person versus a person that's far away from retirement or a person that's three months from retirement. Do you need to look for somebody that, that sort of fits your specific and personal requirement? I think that that's really helpful. Um, there are financial advisors that, um, that their niche is working with, let's call it doctors, right? Doctors have a very unique set of planning. They have a lot of liability if something goes wrong. So their assets at times need to make sure they're protected. Um, there, a lot of them are, are small business owners as, as being a physician. You know, they, they might work with a hospital, but they have their own company. So I think that there are, there's, it's important to find a financial advisor that fits something that you're doing. Now, if you're just a couple and you both are working at a job and you have a fairly um, simplistic financial plan or simplistic needs, maybe you don't have to find a niche as much. But if you're a small business owner, um, let's just say a physician, um, attorney, um, you know, some of these groups that have a very specific planning uh, needs, then you want to find someone who's done this before, someone who um, is, is specialized and qualified in that area to make sure that you're getting the best advice possible. Um, so I think that that's really, really important. And you, you mentioned briefly, you kind of touched upon compensation. Is it, is it advisable when you're interviewing a financial planner to just directly ask them, how are you compensated? Most definitely. I think that's reasonable because um, you need to know this. That's one of the most important pieces of it, of the engagement process. Okay. This person, this financial advisor is not doing this for free. So how do they get compensated? Do they get paid when they sell a product to you? That's one way. Um, do they get paid a flat amount? You know, you give them, uh, they, they, per, they create a financial plan for you and you pay for that financial plan and it's a one-time engagement. Um, do they work hourly for you? You have a problem, you call them, the clock starts running when you pick the phone up. Or do they custody assets for you? And from those assets, they take a management fee. So there's so many different ways that you can be compensated I think it's important for you to find out what are the different ways of the ones in your area or the person that you're interviewing, and then make sure that that is something that appeals to you. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, you're the one that's going to be paying those dollars. So knowing how they're compensated is incredibly important. And it's something that should not be shied away from. That's not an embarrassing question. Because think about what you're going to be doing at that first meeting. We've talked about this before. You're going to be financially undressing. They're going to ask you how much money you make and what your assets are. Well, why can't you ask them, how are you going to be compensated? It's something that if it's not brought up by, by the client in that first meeting or that initial meeting that we have, I bring it up and say, let's get this out of the way first. Here's how we do it. And this is, this is why we do it this way. And I want to make sure you're comfortable with it. If not, let's not move forward and let's, let's find someone that might fit the, the, what you're looking for or what your need is. I, I've heard the term broker dealer before. So when you're talking to financial planners, their associations with quote broker dealers. I, I've heard it in conversation. I've seen it in interviews. 
what does that mean? Like if I, if I talk to a financial planner, should I know, or should I ask them upfront? Are you associated with, do you work with a broker dealer? And briefly for just a common person, what does that mean? The broker dealer oftentimes acts as the compliance department for a particular firm. A broker dealer could be um, a large bank. Uh, some of the ones that we, that you see when you're driving on the street corner there, they have a, Parts of their bank are considered the broker dealer. That's the side of their business that handles all of the financial advisors. There's um, so there's there's large institutions that are broker dealers. There are small institutions that are broker dealers. There's regional ones, and the broker dealer again, for the most part, they do a lot of things for a financial advisor, but they most of the time are behind the scenes in making sure that the um, that the, the the financial advisor is doing what they need to be doing in the eyes of the governing bodies that that kind of watch over all financial advisors. So I think that there are some things to think about. If you're used to that big bank institutional feel, then you should be looking for a financial advisor who works for one of these large institutions. If you say, hey, I really like that personal um, touch to it, maybe looking at a smaller one is more beneficial to you because you like that small uh, feel to it. And that more personalized feel, not to say you don't get that with the big banks as well, but you can kind of see the difference between those two. But a, a broker dealer basically at the end of the day is the behind the scenes element of a financial advisor and handles all of the uh, compliance and uh, paperwork and all of those types of things for, for an advisor. It, it kind of reminds me if I could use an analogy, cause that's what helps me to understand things. It reminds me of hotels. You can go to a large chain hotel and stay at a Marriott. You can go to a mom and pop hotel. That's a boutique hotel. That's maybe owned. They maybe only have one or two, or it's, you, you know, owned by somebody. You can go to a bed and breakfast, or you can do a VRBO. So it kind of sounds a little bit like that. So like the, like the large bank would be like the Marriott. And then the boutique hotel would be Maybe, I don't know if, if, if that's a good description of how you and John are, where you're not necessarily part of a large banking institution, but you're a, you know, you, you've got a, 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 a company, you do financial planning. And then there's the people that you have to watch out for, I guess, that just really, hey, I'm a financial planner. This sounds like a really cool thing to do. I think I'm going to like start tomorrow and yeah. doing it. Yeah. Is that, is that sort of a reasonable analogy? I think, I, no, I think it's a really good one. I think we describe ourselves more as a boutique. Right. You know, we're, we're not yeah, the Walmart said, yeah. of financial planning and there's nothing wrong with that. If that's what you dream to become and that's what you want and that's what you're used to, then that's a great thing to do for us. We got to decide how we wanted to create our business. And so we are all more on the boutique side of things. And uh, for us right. that, that I think we've always talked about this before on the podcast is the personal connection is really what gets us out of bed in the morning, right? It's not the money. It's well, not I, those I, things. It's, it's the fact that our clients are like family members to us and the only way that that works is if, as long as we don't have 5,000 clients, we can never get to know 5,000 people. But if it's in a much, much more small, manageable size, you really get to have that personal connection. That's really what we love about this particular job. Well, and we've talked about how personal money is. So I, I have a road that I want to go down with you, but I do want to touch upon that. So the relationship piece is so important. I mean, you started off by saying, or, or you mentioned in this, this podcast and in a previous podcast, you've talked about how you have to share a lot of your personal life with your financial planner. I mean, I have to share 
how much I make, how much I pay in taxes, how much someone pays in child support, when they got divorced, how long they've been married, if they have a prenup. I mean, all of these very personal, your will, who are you leaving your kids to, you know, all this kind of stuff. Relationship is really important. So I'm going to ask you three to five, you can pick. If you, I know you are a financial planner, so obviously you feel comfortable with people coming to work for with you guys, but I've also known you all long enough to know that sometimes you do interview people and you say to folks, not in a rude way, you just say, hey, we're not the right fit for you. Like you just said, maybe the way that they're describing their goals, what they want to do, they want more of that big bank thing or whatever. What are three to five things out of the gate that if somebody right now is thinking about, hey, you know, I just started working or, hey, I've been working for a while or whatever. What are three to five basic things? And we already touched upon fiduciary and being certified. So we'll already add those to the list that I should out of the gate look for if I'm interviewing or talking to or considering a financial planner and or why would I even need a financial planner? Why can't I just go on blank, blank app and buy my own stocks and just do my own stuff. There's so many different ways that you can, that, you know, there's so many different paths you can go down and there's so many different places in life that you may be at. A college student probably doesn't need to be paying a financial advisor a four figure sum or five figure sum of money to figure out their finances. It's probably pretty simplistic at that point. You know, it's about budgeting. It's about cash flow. It's about saving. It's about, you know, picking, picking some of the generic right investments. You know, a, a college student's not going to have a lot of assets at the beginning or, or, or high school grad who's starting the workforce. And it's, it's slowly starting to build that process. That, that person can probably find a lot, of, a lot of really great resources online. And as your life gets more complicated and there's more things that occur, that's really where you need an expert to step in and say, wait, hold on. If we do it just this way, you're going to be much better off. We often talk about making money in the margins. And that's something that John and I work on a lot with our clients is a lot of what we're doing isn't necessarily rocket science, but we might do something just a little bit different than how it's thought of. Or um, think about where everyone was March of 2020, right? We saw something that we have never seen in our lifetimes, assuming we're not age 100, um, occur. What, what's the reaction for a lot of people to do during that period of time, Rich? It's, it's to panic. Oh my gosh, this virus just came out. The world is coming to an end. Well, if you have this third party objective person who can step back and say, wait a minute, I don't know what this is going on, but surely it doesn't seem like the world's coming to an end. Let's everyone just pump the brakes. Um, we, we met with our clients during that period of time, every single one of them over a two week period of time. And most of them didn't really want to talk to us. I mean, there's so many other things going on, but we said, we, we got to get in front of you. We've got to talk through what's happening right now. We got to be proactive. Um, and so, you know, for us, it's making sure that our clients know that a proactive relationship is better than a reactive relationship. Are you not hearing from this person that you're paying to give you financial advice and you have to constantly call them? That, that's a, that could be a problem if that's not what you've signed up for. Um, and so there's, a number of different things you can do depending on where you are in life. As you get closer and closer to this end goal, this retirement that we all dream of having, as we get closer and closer to it, it's it's the, the mistakes um, are much more difficult to recover from, right? You make a mistake at 55 or 60 and you're trying to target a 65 uh, retirement, boy, you sure don't have much time to fix some of those small mistakes. And if you could have someone to stop you from making some of those small mistakes and, and someone there to maybe bounce some ideas off of, 
who is objective, independent, and as, as a third party, you're going you're gonna to have a much better transition into retirement and hopefully hit those goals. So really, it just depends on where you're at in life um, on when you need to engage with a financial advisor. The one thing I just want to make sure I stress to everybody is, listen, there are a thousand ways and a thousand different types of financial advisors. The one that I have the most issue with is someone selling something, right? If they're not upfront about the compensation, that's an issue, right? That's that's an issue. I want to make sure everyone very... doesn't, because you can't imagine how many situations we get that says, hey, I just met with a financial advisor. I got these six products. I don't really know what they are, and I don't even know if I need them. And by the time they get to us, it's too late. You can't get out of them, or it's something that wasn't yeah. meant for them. And now we're just shrugging our shoulders, and that does happen a lot. The last point I'll make, Rich, because I'll kind of bring it full, full circle to your question. No, not everyone we meet with is going to engage with us, and that's perfectly fine. Um, you know, if someone's looking for a stockbroker, yeah, that's not what we do. If someone's looking for, you know, someone who's selling a product, yeah, man, that's just not what we do. Someone who's not looking for a comprehensive financial plan, who just wants one or two little things that we do, that's just not what we do. Um, and so, you know, again, we say no probably more than we say yes. Um, the last point that I'll make is that we do not maintain marginally satisfied clients. So we want to do everything we can to make sure that the relationship is as positive as we can. These, these clients are our family members to us. And uh, again, that's what gets us up in the morning. Well, and I know, cause I socialize with you guys. So I know what your work schedule is. So I, I know, and I'm not just saying this, but I, I know how hard you all work. And I also know how much you care. Uh, you know, so I, 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 I see that from how you all operate. What are, what are three warning signs other than I'm trying to sell you a product? Like, you know, Wolf of Wall Street kind of warning signs, like for those of you that don't yeah, know the movie. There, there's no so, such thing as get rich quick. I've been doing this for 20 years. I probably have, um, I can count on one hand how many clients, quote unquote, got rich quick through a stock. Um, it just, it's just not something that you should strive for. It's, it's the, that, that's really where the, you know, everyone talks about the stock market's gambling. That's really where you get it from. You get that, you get that thought process from the person who bets it all in one particular area. Financial planning is about diversification. It's about making sure that you have the right mixture and the right blending of things. It's not about taking what you have today and doubling it tomorrow. Um, so I would say the number one thing to look for is someone who is promising you those um, ridiculous returns or someone who just constantly talks about that. Returns, uh, you know, are are great unless you were the client of Bernie Madoff and who was, I was just actually making I, up so their own returns. I, I was literally just going to interrupt. I did interrupt you, but I was literally just going to say to you, these smart people and these large institutions and large charities who you, who you think would have checks and balances they, I mean, I've seen, for those of you who don't know who Bernie Madoff is, Google it. There's, there's fantastic movies that have been done. And I cannot remember the actor that played him. Was it Pacino? Gosh, somebody played him. Um, oh, uh, I'm pulling a blank. Dustin Hoffman. No. Oh my god. No, maybe gosh. it was Pacino. Pulling, no. Maybe we'll it was Pacino. Google. I don't know, but there, there's been a couple of movies done that I watched one of the movies and I was fast. Maybe it was De Niro. I don't know. I was fascinated with the story, but what fascinated me the most was it wasn't people like me or the average, you know, Joe or Jane on the street. It was educated, very smart, 
highly, you know, wealthy people that have had, I mean, people that you just assume in life, like, oh, they know about money because they live in a big house and they've got a nice car and they, they dress well. I mean, whatever Our stupid, you know, uh, um, uh, things like are, are that, that we just assume about people based on what they look like or how they carry themselves. Nonetheless, some of them have a pedigree that you would assume or a description or personality type that you would think. And these people got completely bamboozled by this guy. So going off the track just a little bit, you just said, you know, the get rich stuff, somebody could look really attractive on paper. Like they could say to you, Hey, my clients are getting 30% returns and I've never lost money. I mean, I remember when I left a financial advisor years ago, he actually said to me, and he's been in it for 20 something years. You're the first person that's ever left me. You're making a huge mistake. And I, I learned later on I wasn't the first person right there. That was a lie. So that was a, a red flag that made me glad I was leaving the person. But th these people, you, there, there are people out there that that can sell you. There's there's the wolves of Wall Street that, and the Bernie Madoffs that make you think like, hey, put all of it into this, you know, particular site, you know, crypto or do this or do that. So. Is it just, you just look for their philosophy, I guess, and you look for if they're selling you on something. And it sounds like you want to look to see if somebody is maybe doing that, like, I'm the only one that knows, you know, the mystery schools, like, you know, they're the only one that knows. We, we learned a lot from, you know, as horrible as Bernie Madoff. And I actually had a client whose mother has had money with Bernie Madoff. So it was some regular Joes oh. um, because one of the things about Madoff was he would go to financial advisors and say, bring me money and you run it through my business. And so uh, there oh, was a lot wow. of actually regular Joes that, that, that lost fortunes because that. of it, but it also allowed us to examine what was happening underneath the scenes. And one of the biggest elements to it is that he was creating his own statements. So if you see someone's name at the top of your statement and there's not a large institution backing it up, um, then I'm not saying this is happening, but I'm saying in his situation, he was making his own statements up. Um, and so when someone went to go get money, he was pulling money from people who was, who were actually investing at that time. It was a pyramid, a Ponzi scheme. Um, and so how can you avoid that? Well, here's what frustrates me as a, as a financial advisor who does all the right things. We're audited once a year. And, and that's a, it's a good thing. It's an audit. It's, it's meant to look at our, our books. It's meant to do this checks and balances. And we've been audited every single year going back to 2002 and have always passed with flying colors. But my concern is that who was auditing him? Because I, they, they dig through all of our stuff and, and it's good. It's actually a positive thing. I look forward to it each year because I'm like, good. I want you to put that, that stamp that says, hey, we're doing all the right things. And I can't believe sometimes how invasive they get looking at bank accounts and some of those things. But my point is, who is doing that for him? Because we, we get we get it on every single year. But um, so looking for uh, returns that are not normal, uh, statements that are just created um, you know, that, that don't have any uh, uh, disclosure on them and some of that literature that's required to have like a statement. Some of those things are just really critical for you to look at and it needs to pass the sniff test. If it doesn't smell right, at the end of the day, this is your money. And it, and again, it goes right up there with your health. If I go to a doctor and it just, boy, this guy doesn't seem right or this gal does not seem right. The advice they're giving me just seems off. Boy, that's my health that they're messing with. So oftentimes it's the same way with your finances. And if it doesn't pass the sniff test, I'd say you should be skeptical and um, make this person earn your trust. Um, it, sometimes it takes years for that to happen and be critical up to that point. It's okay.
I think that you, that, that, that's a lot of very common sense, good, you know, basic information on what to look for in financial planners, what to, you know, look out for um, when you're going with financial planners. I think as we wrap this up, first of all, thanks for sharing some of that information because this is information that is hard to hear from, you know, unless you know a, a certified financial planner, you don't know how to ask this stuff. And I think so many people are intimidated by it or they hear things about Bernie Madoff. So then they lump every financial planner is trying to steal from you, or they think I don't have enough money to need a financial planner, or I can do it better on my own and not have to pay somebody else. And I just think it's very helpful. One more common sense thing as we wrap up. Um, many people celebrate the holidays. So we've you know, got Christmas, we've got Hanukkah. A lot of people really stretch themselves during these times, whether it's buying, you know, hosting a meal where you're spending, you know, hundreds and hundreds of dollars for your family who eats it all and then takes it all home. They bring their own Tupperwares and they steal the food, <laughs> they bring it home and leave you with nothing. Or it's, you know, just feeling like you got to get your kid that, you know, one more prize or one more toy or, or whatever it is. How can people kind of avoid that going into holiday debt and, and avoid the stress of just overspending when it comes to the holidays. Cause there's a lot of that. I just talked, literally just talked to a friend of mine yesterday who was like, I had all my credit cards paid off and now, you know, we went shopping for the kids and now it's like, I'm freaking out. What can you, what, what would you well, advise? What's your, it's not a surprise. It's not, you know, it's not like, Hey, my AC blue, which I, which I know yours just did and just got a new AC unit. So we've talked about that before in our podcast where you have these large surprise expenses and those, that's what gets you into the hole that you then have to dig out of. But the holidays are, are not a pop-up surprise. I know when next year's Christmas is going to be. I know when next year's Hanukkah is going to be. I know where this – these are not surprises. Um, and so if it's not a surprise, then why can we not plan for it in January, let's just say, for the end of December? And it goes back to the conversation that we've had before in this podcast about budgeting. If you know that your outlay for Christmas and, and the holidays are going to be – $500, you know, why can't you set aside 40 bucks a month for the, you know, for that 11 month period of time to then be able to buy those, those gifts um, at that, you know, during the holidays. And so it's, it's, these are not surprise times. Why are we not planning for it earlier? And again, I know it's easier said than done, but try this as one of your new year's resolutions to say, okay, what was the damage the last set of holidays caused me in terms of, of, of presents? Let's get your let's get you dug out of that one, and then let's really try for one of those New Year's resolutions to say, all right, I think next year is going to cost me this much. Let's divide that by eleven months and figure out how much do I have to put inside a small side savings account so that I don't have to go into debt and and be and feel terrible about you know the gifts that you're giving and uh, the, the right. next year. It's not hard to do this. And I actually. Re I actually remember when I was younger, whatever, I, I, I don't remember the name of the bank that I was using, but they literally were, they, you'd get a letter in January that said, don't forget to open up your Christmas savings account. And I did. I remember when I was in my, that just, you just reminded me of that. I literally had a savings account that was labeled a Christmas savings account and I would put money in it. I, that, it, it was something that used to actually be, and it, it was just, you know, of course it was probably the way the bank could get you to open another account. So whatever, yeah, but, but they, they it, don't cost anything. You know what? Next time we're on no. rich, I want you to do me a favor. Ask John or next time you see him, ask John how many savings accounts he has. 
And I want to, oh, my, my over under is going to be either 10 or 11. Savings accounts don't cost you any money. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 16. It's six, I think it's 16. It's some crazy amount. I think it's, they don't really cost you any money to, to open up a savings as long as you have like a minimum amount inside there. Yeah. And yes, there's not much uh, interest on those. That's not the point of this. The point of it is not growing that interest over, uh, growing that account over a year. It's making sure you don't go into debt. And, and so, you know, have, you can, you can have, 12, 15, 20 savings accounts where you say each month when that paycheck comes in, a little bit goes to the home expenses so that when that AC blows, you're not going to the credit card. Some goes to the car expense and some goes to the holiday expense, the birthdays and all those things that you are very predictable. You know, they're going to happen. Birthdays happen every year, hopefully. Uh, you know, holidays hopefully. happen every year. So if, if not, hopefully you have a funeral account, <laughs> exactly. right? It's a good burial <laughs> arrangement. Um, but you, you have, you know, when these are going to come up, let's just plan for those. Spend five minutes in January planning for that next year, how much has to be put aside. And you're going to feel much better about things when the time comes for holidays. Well, the good thing for me is I still believe in Santa Claus, so Christmas doesn't cost me anything. Of so course. Christmas. Well, he'll be coming down our chimney and uh, bringing our boys uh, some some fun toys this this upcoming year. I love year. it, Matt. Thank you, thank you so much. Because honestly, uh, and I hope this was helpful. You know, there's some people that you know maybe the financial stuff makes their eyes glaze over, but then I think there's people that have some of the same questions that I have. Like, you know, what's a fiduciary? What do you look for a financial planner? What's crypto mean? Multi-level marketing, Christmas. I mean, these are just things that I think people think about all the time, but maybe they don't have a person like you that they can ask these questions of. So I always, I go to you when something breaks in my house, I go, Matt, what do I do? And then I call you for all this stuff. So well, if you need, if you need any roof inspections, I'm adding that now to my list of things is hanging up on the roof and hanging Christmas just, lights. Just make sure you, I'll just make sure that I have my, my home insurance is up to date <laughs> yes. just in case. Well, Matt, I want to thank you for your time and your expertise. I want to thank everybody that listens to this podcast. I, before I logged on and I just want to celebrate a moment, um, and let me just check really quick because it, it may have changed. I was hoping that it was going to change in time for this podcast, but I'm logging in to look at our podcast downloads. We are at 24,900. Wow. We are literally knocking on the door of 25,000 all-time downloads for this podcast. That is a huge accomplishment because we are not some huge podcast. We don't have any sponsors. We're We're just... Just three guys try to make a difference in podcast world. But I just want to say thank you to all of the people that that listen, that download, that comment. Um, I've seen some amazing comments even on my TikTok and my Instagram page. So thank you to everybody. We will be hitting 25,000 very shortly, probably in the next week or so. So thank you for making that possible. And thank you, Matt, for your expertise. For everybody, if you celebrate the holidays, Hanukkah or Christmas, we wish you a merry and a happy and a healthy. If you don't, we still wish you a merry and a happy and a healthy and a beautiful season, a beautiful holiday, a beautiful winter. We thank you for everything. We thank you for listening. And on behalf of John, Matt, and I, and all of us, which is John, Matt, and I, on Above Board with Candor Path, take care of yourself and your family. You stay healthy and well. Thanks for listening. See you soon. Bye.